Sweet! What is up, you guys? Yeah, I got stuff thrown at me on my way up here, so I'm not sure if that's a good sign. Um, but we're going we're gonna to pray. I'm going to pray for us to start. Uh, God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for tonight. God, I pray that you would speak through me. Uh, God, I have nothing to say outside of what you say through me. So I pray that you'd open people's hearts and minds um, and speak to us tonight. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Well, hey, uh, when I was a little kid, my brother and sister and I liked to watch movies a lot. We liked to watch stories, um, but we could never make it through a movie because we had to play it. Like, we couldn't just watch someone else's story. We had to live it. So, like, 30 minutes into Lord of the Rings, we'd be breaking tree branches off and fighting each other with it because we couldn't, we couldn't just watch. Uh, there was this one time my brother and I were watching a movie. I don't actually remember what the movie was. I tried really hard to remember, uh, but it had rock climbing in it. And we were like, that is so cool. We've never rock climbed. I still haven't rock climbed since. Uh, but we were like, that is the coolest thing ever. The only problem was we lived in a suburb and there were no mountains, uh, except that it was in the dead of winter and it was like an especially bad winter. Uh, and so there was this gigantic snow berm across the street and we were like, that is our mountain. And so we got snow gear on, we we're getting ready to go and we were like, we need climbing gear. You can't climb without gear. Uh, and we didn't have any rope or anything. So we were like the closest thing we could find a rope. And it was like this four foot bungee cord. Uh, it was like one of those big, thick rubber bungee cords, like heavy duty. And my brother was like, this is going to be so cool. He's an older brother. So whatever he said was like the voice of God to me at this point. Uh, and so he was like, this is what we're going to do. And so we take that bungee cord and we go across the street and we climb up this berm. It's like the size of my house because uh, they just took all the snow from all over the neighborhood and piled it right there. So we got to the top and my brother was like, here's what we're going to do. And I'm like, okay. Uh, and so he says, you hold on to this end. And so I grab it and I'm holding it about like chest height. I'm like a six-year-old holding it up. And he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rappel down with this bungee cord and you just hold me up. Like I could do that with a six-year-old frame, you know, <laughs> it just wasn't going to work. So he starts rappelling down. And as soon as he gets to the end of where this bungee cord would stretch, it would not stretch any farther, he lets go. <laughs> and I was like, my poor six-year-old body, uh, it comes back so fast. I don't even remember it coming back, but I do remember the sting on my face, uh, my poor little six-year-old face. It got right up and it went right between my eyes. And it could have blinded me, it didn't. But it was, <laughs> I just started screaming and ran home to my mom and she made it better. But it was like, it broke the skin on my face. Uh, and so I had this welt right between my eyes, all the way across my face for like four days afterwards. It was great. The moral of the story, we're in a series on stories. Uh, sometimes it's better to let other people live their own stories. Just watch the movie. Anyways, that's what that was. So we've been in a, a series called The Story of My Life. We're talking about this idea that we all want a better story, right? We all, like, we, we know where we've been. We don't know where we're going, but we'd like it to be cool, right? We want a better story. The story, like, the, the direction and the destination of your life. Where are you headed in your life? We're at this, this stage as a young adult where we've been preparing to live life our whole lives so far, and now we're actually supposed to be living life, and we're like, what the crap? 
am I doing? I have no idea. Where am I going? What do I want to do with my life? And some of you guys know, or you think you know, and that's awesome. Most of you guys probably don't, and that's okay. But we've been talking about that. In John 10.10, it says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that they might have life and have it abundantly, or have it to the full. So Jesus says that his followers, like he offers them an abundant life. And if, if I'm a new Christian or I've never read the Bible before, I'm like, sweet, like awesome, give me that abundant life. And then I have this list of demands, like this is what an abundant life looks like to me. Here you go, Jesus, make it happen. And no matter what's on that list, it always does one of two things. It makes me happier, or what I think will make me happy, uh, or it'll make my life easier. And I'm like, that's, what, that's an abundant life, a happy life or an easy life. Uh, and we've been talking about that the last few weeks, is like Jesus doesn't actually offer us a happy life. It's like he offers us a better life than a happy life, a joy-filled life, and happiness is not the goal. And we also talk about ease. Like we want an abundant life, we want an easy life, right? We want things to be easier. Uh, and Bryce did an awesome job last week talking about how that is actually not what Jesus offers. So what does Jesus offer? We're going to talk a little bit about one piece of an abundant life tonight, and it has to do with power, okay? We talk a lot about power in our culture, like there's this uh, social justice movement, like these people, and it's always in the context, generally, of people using power poorly. Do you agree with that? Like people in the history of, of humanity who have power and they've used it poorly. Like even in the whole COVID hoopla and like the vaccine now, it's become a conversation about power, like, the government doesn't get the, they don't have the power to tell me what to do or what not to do. I'm not going to get it just because of that. Like, and people have all kinds of, of different opinions on that, and we're not going to talk about that. But I do want to talk about us as individuals. Would you consider yourself a powerful person? Like, who do you think of when you think of power? And I think of people like Jeff Bezos, just like stupid wealthy, so much money, and I'm like, that's power right there. He could just buy whatever he wants. Like, he has the power to influence people with money. Or like the president is considered the most powerful person on the planet. Like what gives him power? He has influence, right? Or I've been, uh, I've been watching these strongman competitions. Do you guys watch those? Anybody? Oh my gosh, those guys are crazy. Like they, uh, they lift hundreds of pounds like it's nothing. And I'm like, that is power. I need to get in the gym or something just don't have the genetics. But that's power. Like power equals a th or influence. Like authority equals influence. What we, we can influence what people think or what people say or what people act or choose to do. That's influence and that's power, right? Would you consider yourself a powerful person? My guess is probably not. Um, but here's what I want to convince you of tonight. That you do have power. You do have influence because you can speak, because you have relationships with other people, you have influence in those relationships. You are powerful. And I don't say that to puff you up like this uh, motivational speaker, like we, get, we have a lot of a motiva motivational speakers all the time now. It's like, you are powerful, you can do it. You go get them. Yes, you feel good? Okay, it worked, there you go. Now, that's not what I talk about, I'm talking about power, like you have a responsibility. Because you have influence in the lives of people, what you do with that influence matters. You have power. 
There's this famous quote by Abraham Lincoln, which turns out it might not have been Abraham Lincoln. Doesn't matter. It's a good quote. It says, nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. We all have power, even if you think you don't. You sit and you look at human history, and we do a poor job with power. Like people take their power, and who do they use it for? Themselves. And it's almost expected. Like we, like we see people who have a lot of money, and then they use their money to make more money. Like it's not a problem to have money at all. It can be a really good thing. But what we expect them, like I'm going to use my money to make more money for myself. Or like social media, we, uh, we post things on social media that what? They, it makes us look good, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my influence, the, one that I, the little bit that I have, and I'm going to grow it by making myself look good for myself. It's the world we live in. And many of you were abused and manipulated by people who used their power poorly. They might have used it selfishly or carelessly. Either way, they hurt you because they used it poorly. Uh, some of us, it's crazy to me, like we have a view of God that is janky and it's messed up because there's been people in our life who've used their power poorly. And we're like, Pow, people with power hurt me. God has lots of power. Therefore, I can't trust him. He's not going to do what's best for me. He's going to do what's best for him. But there's this uh, a verse in Colossians that said that Jesus is the perfect image of the invisible God. So what Jesus does and says that we read about in Scripture is the perfect image of the God that we can't see. What he says and does in Scripture perfectly represents the God that created you. And so we're going to read about what Jesus did with the power that he had. In John 13, if you guys have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen, so you don't necessarily need your Bibles, but if you want to find it and read the whole chapter, do it. It's so good. So in John 13, he's, this is towards the end of Jesus' life, so he knows that he's going to die soon. Like, he knows that people are going to betray him. He knows that he's going to have to go to the cross. He knows all this. Uh, and they're about to go eat a meal together, the Passover meal. And Jewish people ate this every year to celebrate the Exodus, beginning of the Bible, or close to the beginning, if you want to read it. Uh, but they're celebrating it. Uh, and they do this every year, so this was normal. And in John 13, verse 3, it'll be on your screen, it says this, craziness. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that, had, that he had come from God and was returning to God. So how many things were under his power? All things. All things. Like everything. He's not just at this moment, and he knows it, the most powerful person on the planet. There is literally no power that he doesn't have. Like he has power over everything, which means that he can literally do whatever he wants to do. Like, think about that. Whatever he wants. He could literally do anything. What would you do? Like, if you knew that God had given you all power over everything, what would you do? Like, for me, if I was Jesus, one, I wouldn't suffer and die. Like, that <laughs> seems like an obvious one to me. Like, I wouldn't do it. That sounds terrible. Like, if I have all power, I'll just, I'll fix all my problems without doing that. 
right? I would, I would fix all my problems. I would have no more problems. I would, have, I would never have to sit in traffic ever again. Like that would be priority number two after getting rid of all my other problems. Uh, I would not have to work again because work is hard. I want to make my life easy and happy. But all the things that, that is the, all the good things about working, like working for healthy relationships, working for money so I can live, like that would be taken care of because I have all the power. And I'd probably travel a lot, but not like normal traveling where you sit in a plane and there's jet lag and you're tired so you can't even enjoy where you're traveling to. And you eat the food there so you get sick. Like, that's traveling in my experience. I wouldn't do that. Like, I have all the power in the world. I'd make it fun. Jesus is different than me. Thank the Lord. It goes on, John 13. We'll read verse 3 again and keep going. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God, and then he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Not what I would have done. Like, what? Like in, in, in the culture that Jesus was in, people washed their feet a lot. Like, they lived in a dry part. Like, there's dust everywhere. They wore sandals everywhere. And they walked everywhere. Uh, and so their feet were nasty, so gross. And so people washed their feet all the time. There were people who washed other people's feet. And in Roman culture, this culture that he was in, like, servants would wash people's feet. Slaves would wash people's feet. And not just slaves, like the slaves that all the other slaves are like, well, I'm glad I'm not that guy. Like that's who washed people's feet. And in Jewish culture, like rabbis would get their feet washed. Jesus was a Jewish rabbi, uh, and Jewish rabbis got their feet washed, oftentimes by their students, but never, ever, ever, ever the other way around. And so these disciples, like, Jesus' disciples were, like, just dumbfounded. They're like, this is weird. This is not supposed to happen. And then in verse 12, goes on later in the, the, the chapter, just a few verses down, it says, when he was finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And everyone's probably like sitting there really quiet, stunned and really uncomfortable. And he says, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for this is what I am. Now I, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, no messenger greater than the one who sent him. So he's saying that the power balance doesn't actually change. The master is still the master, the servant is still the servant, but how we use the power that we have as master or servant changes. It says in verse 17, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. So he's teaching us how power and authority works in the kingdom of God. It's different. Like, it's different. It's upside-down different. He's talking about how to live an abundant life. Like, his life is showing us, and his teaching is showing us how to have this abundant life that he's offering us. And it's using our power for the benefit of other people. So here's the bottom line for tonight. Using power to serve others in love creates a better story for everyone, including you. I'll read it again. Using power to serve others in love creates a better story for everyone, 
including you. It's kind of a, a roundabout way to get a better life for myself, right? Like, I want to get a better life for me, so I'm going to get a better life for me and worry about other people after, right? Not in Jesus' economy. And I'll tell you what, we have got our work cut out for us, because this is backwards in our culture. Like, people use their power for themselves. Uh, and probably if you do this, you use your power for other people, you're going to get weird looks. Like, you're going to get, uh, people are going to think you're weak, or, or, and they're, they're, it's countercultural to treat people this way. And yet, Jesus doesn't offer us an easy story. Sometimes he offers us an awkward story. And we're going to do it anyways, because it's a better story. And some of you guys are still like, I don't feel like I have a whole lot of power, right? I, like, I don't feel like I have a whole lot of relationships. Like, I've got some friends. I've got some family. I don't have a whole lot of influence. That's okay. You have influence. What are you using your influence for? So when I was not a Christian, like, it wasn't these gigantic things that people did for me that drove me to Jesus. Like, it wasn't. It was little tiny things that people did for me. And most of them was just an invitation. Like when I first became a Christian, I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I know I need Jesus, but I don't know what to do. I don't know how to, I don't know what to do next. And I'm like, God, what, do I, what am I supposed to do? And right when I, like, uh, honestly, I just, I went back to what I was doing. I got drunk. I, like, I hung out with friends that I shouldn't have been hung, hanging out with because I didn't know what to do. Uh, and then I was like, well, this isn't going to work. This is, like, if I'm going to change, I got to change. Uh, and so I went to the young adult group. It was called Thirst at the time. Uh, and Sam Meredith chased me down the, the sidewalk. And he was like, hey, do you want to grab lunch? Uh, Sam Meredith is an executive pastor here, if you don't know Sam. He's awesome. Uh, and I'm like, I mean, sure. I don't know you. It's weird. Never had lunch with an older dude. Uh, but I did. And it was awesome. He asked me questions about my life, and he legitimately cared about what I had to say. He asked me my story, and I told him my story, and he, he asked me questions and helped me process. And then he invited me to meet with him in a small group, and we met every week. And he asked me to pray out loud one time, and I was like, no. That sounds terrifying. I barely pray in my head. I'm not going to pray in front of you guys. Uh, but I did. And little by little, like little steps, little things, like I, I became closer to Jesus, and I, I learned how to walk this abundant life out because people did tiny things for me. Small acts of kindness go so far, and you have influence in the lives of other people, and those small acts of kindness can go so far so I have a lamp up here on purpose, uh, and this thing about a lamp, it has a lot of power to do good, right? Like it can light a room, it can help people see, especially when it's really dark, it can help people see. But where does the power come from? Is it the light bulb? Is it this thing? I, I could leave it right there. I can turn it on, I can try. It's, uh, it's not turning on. Where does the power come from? the outlet, right? It's the same thing with us. As Christians, and if we're talking about this power thing, like we gotta, we gotta use our power, our influence, to influence life change in other people. Like we can do small things, but the power to make a difference doesn't come from us, right? You can do one thing. You can hold the door open for someone and smile, and God can take that, 
and change that person's life forever. Like, that's where the power comes from. Like, I'll turn this on, and there'll be light because the power comes from somewhere else. You are powerful, but only when you're plugged into the power source. Here's another thought. What if someone comes up to that light bulb and is like, hey, you're awesome. You're so bright. Thank you so much for doing what you do. And the light bulb is like, oh, it's not me. Like, don't, get, don't, tell, don't say anything nice to me. Go away. Don't say anything nice to me. It's not me. It's the outlet. And then the person who said it's a nice thing to the light bulb is like, wow. Well, I feel crappy. Not saying anything nice to anyone else. We do this so often. Like as people who are like, oh, we want to we wanna be power, we want to be influential in the lives of the people around us and do good for the sake of Jesus, right? And then people tell us that we've done good for the sake of Jesus and we're like, nah, nah, nah. It's all God. Like it's all God. The power comes from God, right? We can't do anything without, outside of God. Like that's true. But when we, when we turn people away, for saying nice things. Maybe that person, God is using that person to be light in your life. And we're like, no, 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 I'm too good for that. Like, no, I, I, it's not me. It can't be me. Like, God chose you to be light to other people. Say thank you. And then accept it. You guys, I'm so bad at this. I say this like I'm, I'm, I got it all figured out. I, I, I'm terrible at accepting compliments. You come up and say something nice to me, and I'm like, I don't know. Thank you. And then I, I throw up in my mouth a little bit. Like, I'm bad at it, but I want to learn because I know that if I don't say thank you, man, I really need to hear that. Thank you so much. Uh, they're not going to do it again for someone else probably because it's awkward. It's hard to say something nice. It's vulnerable. And if I, if I hurt someone or like I, I turn them away for being vulnerable, they're probably not going to do it again. We've got to be better at this. But... If you are not a follower of Jesus, here's what I want you to hear. The God who created you, the God who's there, he uses power for you. He cares so much about you that the all-powerful, all the power in the world came down and submitted himself to people to be killed. He, he died the death that you deserve for the sins of the world, like the sinfulness of the world. He died so that he could be in a relationship with you. He didn't have to, but he loves you. You specifically, he loves you. And he wants to use you for Christians, non-Christians. He can use you. You're a light bulb. God made you good. Like God created you to represent him. God created you with his image to be good. Like the, light, the manufacturer of the light bulb did a good job. It works. But until we're plugged into the power source, we're just a light bulb that does nothing. I could use it as a paperweight, maybe. Not a very good one. Could use it as a doorstop. Like you can do stuff, but until you plug into the power source, you cannot experience this abundant life that Jesus offers us. There's a verse in Matthew 16 that Jesus is teaching. And he says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, 
take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Is it worth anything, or is anything worth more than your soul? Like he's talking about power. He's talking about what do you want to do with your life? Where, what's your story? Where's your, where's your story headed? It's like if you try to hang on to it, you'll lose it. It's this backwards economy of God's kingdom, the way that he made the world, and we just don't get it. He says, but if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the people around you, you'll actually gain this abundant life that you want so badly. Jesus' way seems backwards at times, but it leads to an abundant, satisfying, and full life. Not easy or happy, but better than both of them. Let's pray. Uh, God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you have all the power and you don't, you're not manipulative, you don't use it against us, you're not intentionally hurting us with your power to whatever. You're not a person the way that people act and use power, and you are perfect, and you're loving, and you care about us so much. God, I pray for, for everyone in this room. God, I pray for our small groups. I pray that we'd be vulnerable uh, and share our stories honestly. God, thank you for being willing to change our lives. Uh, I pray that we'd submit to you and trust you. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Thank you so much, Zach. <clears throat> Something that I just love what Zach was talking about is that if we're not plugged into the power source, if we're not plugged into Jesus, we're actually missing out on all that God created us to be, right? You think about that lamp. That lamp was not plugged in, right? It's a paperweight. It's a really nice looking paperweight. It's kind of trendy. It's kind of dope. But right, like it's actually not serving the purpose that it was created to serve. It's missing out. It needs to be plugged into the power source to be used for all that God intended it to be used for. And that's the same thing for us. And the power that God gives us, we use to serve, right? What Zach said, we use to serve others in love. And that creates a better story for everyone, including myself. So with that, guys, we're going to head to small group uh, before we do, um, we're, what we're going to do is we're actually going to stand up. If you are new here, we'd love for you to come up, talk to us. Uh, well, if you're new here, let me just say, we actually want you to come up. Zach and Laurel, if you can come up here, sorry. My brain's just all over the place. But if you want to come up here, we'll uh, make sure you get into an awesome small group. That's what we do after this time is we go and we talk about, man, how do we apply this to our lives? Because it's awesome. Cool. I'm a lamp. You're a lamp. What does that mean? How do we actually do this? That's what we do. We talk about it in small group. We talk about how God's going to use it, how we stay connected to Jesus. Maybe there's something hindering you from connecting with Jesus, right? We want to talk about that in our small group. So if you're new, please come up, talk to us, make sure we get you in a group. Or if you're just not plugged into a small group yet, uh, please come up and talk to myself, Zach, and Laurel. We'll get you set up. Otherwise, if you could please stack your chair, we are going to make our way out to our small group rooms and have some dope, awesome, amazing